You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On College Football, the weekly podcast that highlights the biggest stories in the college football world. Now, I'm your Monday host, Candace Cooper, host of Locked On Tar Heels podcast, leading this talented team. Do yourself a favor, make sure you download, subscribe to Locked On College Football from anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. So here's what I have on tap for you today. I've got Locked On Nittany Lions host Kevin McGuire here to talk to me about Penn State and the tough loss they took yesterday against Indiana and what that means for the future of the Penn State squad. Going to talk to Locked On Wolverines host Isaiah Hull about the Michigan team and how they are looking like Michigan of old and how impressive they've been the start of their season. Finally, I've got Locked On Buckeyes host Jay Stevens to talk to me about Ohio State. Everyone says Ohio State is king of the Big Ten. Can they continue their success? We'll talk about it on today's show. I hope y'all had a great weekend for yet another week of great college football. The Big Ten is back, as you can see by the host that I have with us today. And again, it always seems like rankings are fun until you actually play. Penn State, I'm kind of looking at you. Well, we have a good Big Ten show today. I'm going to talk to some of your very favorite Locked On Podcast Network hosts. And we're going to make sure that we get on this action, talk about whether or not the Big Ten should be in the college football playoff conversation. So you got to be sure to download, subscribe to each of their podcasts so you can get more of a daily inside scoop because obviously 10 minutes just quite doesn't give you the full scope of everything that they bring to the table. But let's get right into it, shall we? Kevin McGuire is on deck. Up now on Locked on College Football Podcast, I have my host from Locked on Nittany Lions Podcast, Kevin McGuire, in the building to talk to me about Penn State. What an interesting weekend you had to the start of the Big Ten season. Kevin, how are you? First of all, Candace, I'm doing great despite the results of the weekend action for Penn State fans. But you know what? Um, it was a it was going to be a tough test to open the season for Penn State. I've been saying that all along on Locked On Lines, and you can talk to our our pal uh, Ben Stevens, co co-host of the Locked On College Football Podcast on Friday, and also the daily host of the Locked On Big Ten Podcast. I've been telling them all along this Indiana game is a bad situation for Penn State to walk into to start the year. And obviously, I I, th- I feel a little validated. It doesn't make me feel any better though. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you weren't surprised, but would Penn State fans say that they might have been surprised at how the team opened up? Because normally Penn State, you know, we have that energy of we are a powerhouse football team and to lose to someone like Indiana has got to be hard for that squad. Yeah, it's certainly uh, not going well with the masses, I think, uh, in the days afterwards. And I think you understand why Penn State came into the season with very high expectations of potentially competing for a Big Ten championship, maybe giving Ohio State a run, maybe even getting a spot in the college football playoff if things went well. And I think you look at Indiana traditionally not as a team that's going to uh, be a, a real viable threat, but this is an Indiana team that's not exactly like Indiana of years past. And Indiana has a history of playing Penn State pretty close, including last year. So uh, this is not this was not a team to take lightly going into the year. I don't know if that necessarily means that everybody was on board with that philosophy. Uh, and obviously uh, they're feeling a little bit for it right now. But, um, you know, it, it certainly stings when you lose a game to Indiana because Penn State should have beaten Indiana. There's there's enough talent there. Uh, they should have um, come away with that game with a win, especially when you see all the mistakes that they had along the way really uh, gave Indiana opportunities to take advantage and credit Indiana for doing that. 
Uh, you can't take any away from what the Hoosiers did, uh, but Penn State certainly made it a little bit easier for Indiana to get that win. Absolutely. Now, if you could pinpoint a couple parts of Penn State's defense, obviously Michael Penix sealing the deal for them at the goal line and getting that uh, conversion at the end. What do you think Penn State's defense needs to talk about today when they're looking over film? You know, honestly, I feel like the defense did a pretty good job from okay. start to finish. I mean, like I said, you know, Penn State's offense was more of the serious issue. I mean, Indiana had a four-yard touchdown drive. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to knock the defense for giving up that score. Obviously, it would have been great to hold them to a field goal in that situation after a turnover. But, you know, I think from start to finish, Penn State's defense was not the issue. Okay. Yes, they did give up the long drive at the end of the game. And then that's a little bit of a concern because uh, that just goes back to the idea that maybe Penn State can't finish off games in key moments. That's been a problem for Penn State, uh, but I'm not going to knock the defense too much. And even on that last drive, they were bringing pressure on Michael Penix. They were getting in his face. They were getting hits on him. Yeah. He just was making the plays. <laughs> he was getting the ball to receivers <laughs> in those key spots that really came back to haunt Penn State. So I don't know what more you could have asked the defense to do uh, on that last drive other than get to him a hair of a second faster. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and I, I got to say this, you know, if you look at the replay of the two-point conversion, I'm still not entirely convinced that it was good. Yeah. But I, I'm willing to accept the fact that there was no indis- inconclu- or, uh, indisputable video evidence to overturn the call on the field. Uh, obviously, that's going to be the main talking point. But, you know, again, you got to credit. Michael Penix Jr. is a tough dude. And yeah. we saw reasons why uh, he's going to be a problem this year in the Big Ten. Absolutely. Now we seem it's a game of inches. So obviously it could go one way or the other, but talk about these offensive miscues. And we talk about, you know, preparation and getting to the season. And obviously big 10 was going up and down the air. Didn't know if we we're going to have a season. It's back on and shortened all those different things. So offensively, it looked like we were going through some things for the Nittany Lions. Talk about that for me, if you will. Yeah, that's an absolutely valid point. Now I'm not going to give Penn State the excuse of having to work through a pandemic and a weird off season because everybody was dealing with that, especially in the big 10. However, I will, point out that this is a coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball that has a lot of new coordinators new new coaches and not having the spring to go through the transition there certainly uh, suggested that there could be a spot where they start off a little slow and I think aside from the opening drive to the game which Penn State marched right down the field and scored a touchdown on it, it was it was pretty evident that there's still some transition going through. There's still some growing to do. The running back death got hurt pretty quickly, uh, obviously going into the season without Journey Brown just mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. And then Noah Kane, who was going to be the starting running back, he's he's gone after the first play of the game, basically. So the running back death took a hit. And you saw that uh, Sean Clifford still has some indecisiveness at quarterback. You know, I think he's still trying to play hero ball at times, making some bad decisions. Sterling came back to haunt them. Again, credit to Indiana for doing that. Uh, but there's still some room to grow with this offense. I still think as the season goes on, Candace, I think this Penn State offense is still going to be pretty good. I mean, they mm-hmm. still ended up putting up four touchdowns in regulation, uh, getting th- another one in overtime. So there's still going to be some points on the board. You can't count them out of a game. As, as bad as they looked for a while, they did come back. They actually had the lead in the fourth quarter. So right. they're not they're going to be tough to put away, but they need to be a little bit more consistent. And I think uh, Kirk Sharaka, the new offensive coordinator, he's going to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And there's lots to find from this game film that he's going to find that doesn't work. So we'll see what happens going into next week. No doubt. Now, in such a short season, do you think the Nittany Lions will have enough time to get things back together and have a solid performance towards the end? Are we still talking college football playoffs here or just a great bowl, you know, in that New Year's pick six bowl kind of conversation? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I looked at the season thinking that Penn State had a very good chance to go back to the New Year's six once again. Losing to Indiana really puts them out of that picture as far as I'm mm. concerned, because I'm looking at next week or this week, I should say. They've got Ohio State coming in. 
Uh, that's not going to be an easy game, Candace. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that, I, I marked that one down as a loss at the beginning of the season. Mm. I, I'm not seeing any reason to uh, change my mind just yet. Not saying that a win isn't possible. That certainly changes the outlook for Penn State. But uh, I'm assuming that Penn State's going to be 0-2 when uh, we come around to this time next week. And then I look around what else happened around the Big Ten. You know, Nebraska, I still think it's going to be a tough road spot for Penn State. And yeah. Michigan, Michigan looks pretty good in their <laughs> opener. So, and Penn State has to go there. So that yeah. I figured that Penn State was going to lose one of those two games on the road <laughs> as well. So I was already looking at a 6-2 and record for Penn State. I still think it might have been enough to get into a New Year's Six Bowl game. But you know, starting off 0-1 with Ohio State coming in 10, down uh it's looking more like an outback bowl kind of a season not, that the, not to knock the outback bowl i love the outback bowl but certainly <laughs> not the bar that penn state was trying to clear this year absolutely well i really appreciate your time kevin please remind folks of where they can listen to you as you cover penn state for the rest of the season yeah absolutely first of all candace thank you so much for the time you can check out the locked on nittany lines podcast right here on the locked on podcast network and available on all the major podcasting platforms monday through friday we actually uh, threw up a live reaction show we did, streamed it live on twitch and i put up the uh, the audio of that as well so sometimes you'll get some bonus content along the way mm-hmm. and you can check us out on all the social media platforms twitter facebook instagram and twitch using the username locked on Nittany and uh, hopefully we'll have some more pleasant things to talk about in the weeks to come but it's gonna be a busy week this week with Ohio State coming into town a hundred percent well I appreciate your time again Kevin and I look forward to talking to you down the line hopefully it's in the new year six pick six but we'll see we'll, we'll keep our optimism going we'll see yeah, yeah. You, all you can be is optimistic another week another opportunity we'll see what happens no doubt do you ever feel like you're always on same. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes I just need to celebrate responsibly. That's when I reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. It doesn't matter what team or sport is playing. Coors Light from Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado is the official beer of watching any sport. Just to drink beer. Coors Light is one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. All right, folks, as you know, I'm on this new fitness journey since retirement from swimming. I have been looking for great trees to stay fit, but keep me nice and toned. That's why I've leaned on Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. With 18 amazing flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate, Built Bar is even more delicious. If you're a health conscious person like me, you'll enjoy Built Bar because it's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, up now on Locked on College Football Podcast, we have Locked on Wolverines host Isaiah Holt to talk to me about Michigan and just who we saw on Saturday. Isaiah, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Except for, as we said off air, trying to, uh, you know what? Anytime I get to get two days in a row on Locked on College Football, I'm pretty excited, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> no doubt. Now, how does it feel to have Michigan back in the trenches playing football again? Does it feel a little bit normal for you? Yeah, it definitely felt normal uh, in the sense of, you know, it's just something we've been waiting for for so long. So to finally be able to see, you know, the product out on the field, uh, there were certainly moments of unease as far as, you know, watching the team relatively early, particularly in the a bit in the second half uh, when uh, Daxton Hill wasn't out there on safety and he had a true freshman in Macari Page 
uh, guys like Rashad Bateman and try to keep up with Tanner Morgan. I mean, obviously they ended up doing a really good job defensively overall, but uh, I mean, it, it just felt good to be able to, to see the product out on the field just because it's been so long. And we've heard that this, at least in Ann Arbor, I mean, we've heard that this team has a lot of potential. And it's funny because they hadn't been getting the national attention. They've been thought of as an also-ran, especially even just in the conference. So uh, getting that chance uh, for the Wolverines is uh, to, to go out there and make a, have a statement win like they just did. I mean, that's huge. Absolutely. Now, what was your overall impression of Joe Milton's performance? Uh, I mean, I thought he was not everything that you hoped he would be mm. in the sense that, uh, you know, there, he's become a thing of a legend already in Ann Arbor, despite the fact that this was his first start. But I think he was everything that he needed to be. And I think that that's a, a lot of reason for excitement. You know, just looking at the national reaction to it, to what Milton did, uh, you see a lot of national analysts saying, this is the, this is the missing piece for Michigan. Mm. And, I thought he, you know, he didn't necessarily do the things that make you say yet that he's in that upper echelon in the sense of he, you know, didn't throw for like 350 yards. He didn't, you know, didn't throw, you know, a million touchdowns, but you saw the glimpses of what he's capable of. And he did it in his very first start on a national stage. And that's like everything that you could hope for, you know, essentially if you're a Michigan fan. Uh, I thought that even his misses were incredible. Uh, there were some, there was a couple, and it was funny because I was looking on Twitter during the game, which I didn't have much time to do, you know, sitting up there in the press box and watching the game. Both teams move relatively fast on offense. Uh, but I was looking on Twitter, and th- there was a throw he had that was incomplete. He threw a running left, uh, and he's a right-handed quarterback. He was running left, and he threw across his body, uh, Towards the pylon, Giles Jackson uh, was the was the target of that. He didn't come down with it, and I thought that was on Giles because I thought Joe put the ball at the most accurate position that you could hope. And I thought that particularly was incredible, given the fact that this was like a thirty-five yard throw across his body mm-hmm. with pinpoint accuracy. Yeah, and that to me is really tantalizing. But we didn't see what he's known for, which is the 75-yard bomb. We didn't really tell. We saw him miss one long one, mm-hmm. took one deep shot. But other than that, uh, we, we didn't really get to see it. I think that that's perfect because you don't necessarily want to prime time, college game days in town, ranked on ranked matchup, road game. So I thought what we saw out of him was honestly – perfect in the sense that he didn't necessarily set the numbers on fire. No one's talking about him like he's Trevor Lawrence yet. (laughs) But at the same time, we definitely saw that he is capable of doing a lot against a a really, really good uh, Minnesota team. Now, after yesterday's game, do you think that this Michigan team will finally give Ohio State the classic rivalry that we've been missing these past few years? I think it's way too early to tell, and mm-hmm. I've been of the mindset for uh, since post uh, 2016 when uh, the spot, you know, happened, and there were a lot of things that didn't go right in that that game. I've been of the mindset that I can't predict Michigan to win that game until they do it. <laughs> uh, I don't think I 
I mean, Ohio State is honestly an upper echelon team. They're yeah. at worst the third best team in the country. That's at worst, right? Right. They're really, really good. Michigan's got a lot of catching up to do. That doesn't. Not only does that not happen overnight, it's really hard to to, to get to that spot. It's hard to get from being above average or very good or or so to being one of the best. That's one of the hardest jumps to take in college football. So to be able to, to contend or beat Ohio State, because the other thing about this rivalry is that Michigan's, or, Michigan's never going to get overlooked by Ohio State. Right. It's always going to have Ohio State's full attention. I, I, I would think that Ohio State fans, for the most part, if you told them, well, you're not, you know, you can either win a national championship, but you're going to lose to Michigan, or you beat Michigan and you don't get a national championship. I think they'd rather beat Michigan more often than not. Oh. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that to be like, but uh, that's how much it means to people in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes it that much more difficult because, Michigan has gone into that game a lot of times just playing their normal game. Ohio State is playing with their hair on fire because it's Michigan. So that part's got to change. We won't know until December 12th or whatever that game is. Uh, but I, I think the building blocks are there. I think that they're certainly – if they can shore up the defense a bit, and I think one of the things that's been missing in that game is having an offense that can go toe-to-toe. And by week eight – I think that that's certainly a possibility that the offense could go toe to toe. Now, last question. Yeah. Now, last question before I get you out of here. How is the temperature in Ann Arbor in terms of Coach Harbaugh? Are people feeling like he has a short lease this year, or because it's so wild and unpredictable, you're kind of just going with the flow? I think that the Harbaugh hot seat question is a national media fabrication. Mm. There, there is he, he can leave on his own terms. Okay. And a lot of there's a selective memory when it comes to 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 what Michigan was before Harbaugh came along. People like to point point at Harbaugh and say he's the problem from a national perspective, forgetting that that Michigan was on a complete downslide and was considered not even anywhere close to nationally relevant before he arrived. Uh, Michigan didn't make a bowl game the year before he arrived, and the year he did arrive. The, the national perspective was that he would be he, – he could do the best coaching job possible and Michigan would be lucky to make a bowl game. Mm. And then they went 10-3. and three. So it, 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 it's funny how these things always change. And, and we always joke about, like, you know, listen, right now we're looking at this win over Minnesota as being a, a big win, a ranked-on-ranked road matchup. In a couple weeks, Especially when, like, it's literally two weeks when Michigan goes to Indiana. Let's say Indiana is still ranked, they're ranked uh, right now in the poll, in the coaches' poll at least. But I, I guarantee that all of all of what just happened is going to be forgotten, and it's going to be this. Well, Harbaugh doesn't win big big games on the road. He doesn't win ranked on ranked matchups on the road. Yeah, and it's all just going to be reset. Then it will be reset the next week against Wisconsin. That's just what always happens. <laughs> it doesn't matter what Michigan does. You, you know, you, you can beat Penn State in 2016. I know they weren't ranked at the time, but they beat them 49 to 10. And there's this perception that Penn State was just a much better team that year because they won the Big Ten. But if, if, if James Franklin gets a lot of the benefit of the doubt, where Harbaugh does, yeah. so it, that's that's just kind of where where it is. Um, it, he, he can he can 
stay as long as you want. That's that's the nature of uh, of it. You make Michigan a lot of money. You make Michigan a much better program. Ohio State, the Ohio State problem is not particular to him. I mean, it, they've had problems against Ohio State since Jim Trestle took over back in uh, two thousand. So uh, it's uh, it was it was a Lloyd Carr problem. It was a Rich Rodriguez problem. It was a Brady Hoke problem, and now it's a Jim Harbaugh problem. I don't think Bill Belichick could come in and get this thing changed overnight. It's just not how college football works. That's good to know for sure, because I certainly was on the the thinking that everyone was like, we want him gone. So I I never knew that it was just a bunch of hot talk from the national side. It's not that he's necessarily loved in Ann Arbor. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, there are certainly fans that have had enough, but that's a vocal minority. It really is a vocal minority, and it, the national media fuels that flames, but he's not going anywhere. Okay, gotcha. Well, I appreciate your time, and I certainly want folks to be able to listen to you and more about Michigan athletics. Where can they find you and follow your work? They can find me at uh, Isaiah Hole on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, find the podcast at Lockdown Wolverines, wherever you your podcast or uh, all the writing, the, the primary primary deal is Wolverine player through USA Today. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Isaiah. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Safe travels back to Michigan. All right, final interview of the day from Locked on Buckeyes podcast. I have host Jay Stevens here to talk to me about Ohio State, and I've had a Big Ten host all day today, so I'm a little excited to hear from the guy who everyone is talking about, this team who nobody can seem to beat. Jay, how are you? I am doing very well. You mentioned it earlier. Buckeyes win. Big win over Nebraska. I'm excited. Buckeye fans are excited. There are good things to talk about. There's also some bad, but primarily (laughs) let's focus on the good as as much as we can as the Buckeyes win Saturday in the shoe. Listen, how good is it to just have football back for you guys? It's been a long wait, and a lot of people were anticipating the Big Ten returning because, you know, we talk about the college football playoffs a lot, and you need to see people play in order to put them in the conversation. And now Ohio State has really proven themselves worthy. It was so it was very enjoyable um, to see not just Ohio State, but the rest of the Big Ten play as well. Um, As it's a conference, and I living in the Midwest, you – anticipate throughout the season things like you saw or you see battles Penn State versus Iowa Nebraska and Ohio State playing at some point uh battles like Michigan and uh, Minnesota where you you get those battles throughout the season but with Ohio State I think it's special because I mentioned it on my on Locked on Buckeyes and other podcasts I've been on I can't pinpoint exactly what detail it is or what thing sticks out as far as why this team is so special but it is and then you we saw that during the first game against Nebraska, there's just something special about this team. Like I said earlier, there are some hiccups, but we don't want to focus on those too much um, because there's a lot to be very excited about with this football team on offense and on defense. Now, Justin Fields had a great performance on Saturday while many hype up Trevor Lawrence. Do you think Justin deserves similar, if not more praise? Similar. I won't say, I won't say more. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence gets the nod because he's been a three-year starter. He won the starting job, I believe, his freshman year. I forget who the starting quarterback was at that time at Clemson, but then he's a national champion, been a national championship game another year as well. So I don't think he deserves more, but I I think he deserves um, a lot of attention. And 20 for 21, first game out, 
really could have possibly been 21 for 21. The one incompletion was a drop touchdown in the end zone where Chris Olave got undercut uh, towards the back half, the middle middle section of the end zone there. Um, but Justin Fields and I've been, I was looking forward to seeing how he was going to come out, what he's going to do, um, the growth that we were going to see. And it jumped off the screen <laughs> from the very, very beginning, not just the, the new diet, and of course, the broadcasters, they're going to blast all over the place, the plant-based <laughs> diet. We all know how that enhances you as a player. But his ability to read and react from pre-snap to post-snap, it's way different. His progressions are way better than they were last year. And that was one thing I was looking forward to week one was how is he progressing? How does he get the ball out? How quickly does it come out? Um, and he did all those things that he exceeded my expectations. Then another thing I, I loved about him was a ball placement. Um, when it was when he was throwing the ball to the receivers, not just getting it out on time, but the placement of the ball. That was next level stuff we saw from Justin Fields game one against the Cornhuskers. And that is awesome. Now, nearly everyone has complimented Ohio State. Again, I mentioned we had some other locked on Big Ten hosts today, and it was all about we got to get over the Ohio State hump. But what are things that the Buckeyes can still clean up to ensure that that happens? D-line play and middle of the O-line play. I, I am a big guy of uh, you have to win the battle in the trenches. There are numerous times early in the game you saw uh, Harry Miller, Josh Myers, and Wyatt Davis um, being just miscommunication, just not really sure what was, go what was going on, the pre-snap, the post-snap of the O-line at that time because everybody has the stuff they have to realize pre-snap and post-snap every single play. It seemed like a lot of a lot of the issues. Wyatt Davis had a couple. I can think of one off the top of my head uh, very well. Early, I think it was first quarter. Uh, I think it was a second one with him and Josh Myers running the same page. Harry Miller and Josh Myers running the same page a few times. Uh, I saw one time that the defender, I think it was a blitzing linebacker, got Harry Miller to get his shoulders turned to not to not block him properly. And I'm like, you're too good to make these kind of mistakes. But at some point, those early those early game issues may come back to haunt you. But with the Ohio State offense and the um, ability they have on the outside, and I do believe they'll get a running game going at some point. I think Ryan Day didn't play Trey Sermon as much game number one, trying to save him for game number two against Penn State and other big matchups down the road. Didn't want to tip your hand too early. But the D-line's going to have to find a way to get a pass rush. Um, it wasn't until Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai started to make some uh, disruption up the middle that you saw things started to um, uh, be a whole lot better for the defense of the, of the Buckeyes. But that's a special thing as well as Haskell Garrett. I don't know if people know this got shot in the face mm -hmm. uh, in the off season two months ago. And now he's starting week number one, a yeah. bit uh, playing a prominent role, playing very, very well during that first game. Um, so D line stuff, it's, it's there, but I do think early on in games, the issues with the pass pro, the O-line, up the middle, and then also some things as far as a running game. I don't think the go-to running back thing is um, uh, something that you look at fans like, oh, we definitely need one. You have two guys back there that can play very well, one starting, one being the backup, but you've got to fix the miscommunication issues. But some of, that thing, some of those things are expected being game number one of the season, especially when you haven't when it's football, when it's college football, and you're, you don't have a preseason or a, a scrimmage against another team to kind of scheme against someone else, um, that's not who you go up against in practice every single day. Absolutely. Now, you guys have Penn State next weekend. Do you see yourselves going, winning straight out and getting to the college football playoffs, or do you still want to kind of keep things humble just for, just for you know, prediction's sake? I do. Um, I, I, 
I do think that Ohio State will win out. I will say this. The matchup against Indiana is going to be a bigger matchup against other people. I know you mentioned Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Ohio State, the, the team, will play better against Penn State and not have the issues early on in the first quarter, especially when Nebraska came out. They was less than two minutes drive. They ran down the field, scored very, very quickly. And I had people texting me like, what's going on? Like, this, 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 this is not fun to watch. Well, pregame jitters, adrenaline, I, I understand all of that stuff. Nebraska wanted payback. They didn't get it. Penn State's going to be a big matchup. I think Penn State um, is, going to, is going to realize very quickly early on in this, in this game that Indiana's Indiana. Indiana's better than advertised. But Ohio State's on another level, offensively and defensively. And I don't think Penn State's ready for what's going to happen to them. But I do think a bigger test in advertised is going to be um, Indiana. And I forget that game's in Columbus or in Bloomington. That's not the top of my head. But I do believe that's going to be a bigger test than normal. What Tom Allen has been doing with that squad over the past three to four years has been special, building up to their first top 10 win via the AP poll since 1987. So... I, I I know Buckeye fans will hate that. <laughs> Buckeye fans don't really like Bloomington. And they kind of put them as like second fiddle and, oh, they're they're not good. They're trash or whatever. All right. I'm telling you now, <laughs> Michael Penix is not a, the quarterback that he wants to believe he is, but he will make plays, as we saw against Penn State, that you may not believe he can, he can make. And that game could be tougher. But as well, I think the time of that game, it will be a tougher matchup, but Ohio State will – kind of started to hit on all cylinders. The issue that I've mentioned will not be a thing. And um, it'd be a tougher test, but I still believe um, Ohio State will win that battle as well and then as well run the table. Nice. Now, Jay, I really appreciate hot takes on this show because every now and then you just got to throw in a little spice. But can you remind folks of where they can continue to follow your work as you cover the Buckeyes this season? Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at jsteven 7 Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Buckeye. Then also search Locked on Buckeyes on whatever podcast listening platform you utilize. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just to name a few. Search there. Uh, have some guests lined up for this week. I'm trying to get, get at least one or two guests lined up every single week so that you're not just listening to my voice. You're listening to other people um, and just really enhancing the listener, uh, the audience experience for fans or people that want to learn more about the Buckeyes so that, that you can get a you can get prepared for the upcoming matchup as best as possible. Absolutely. Well, Jay, I look forward to talking to you down the line. You take care. Thank you so much. You too. So that's all I have on tap for you today. Thank you for joining Locked on College Football Show. Make sure you download and subscribe. I want to thank Kevin, Isaiah, and Jay for stopping on the show today, talking to me about their respective teams. The Big Ten is indeed back. It should make for a great season of college football yet again. So we'll keep you guys posted here on the Monday show. Make sure you stay safe, wear your mask, and have a great Monday.